0: Thank you. If you have your bibles, if you take and open them to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Thank you, Miss Rhoda. We appreciate you. And Donnie, thank you for loaning her out for a morning. Thank you to B.C. He's doing a great job back there on the sound. I appreciate him. He didn't know he was going to get to do that till this morning. I looked at him and I said, were you expecting the Lord to do great things this morning? He said, huh? I said, my wife's not here. You're the sound man. Do keep her in prayer, and she thanks you for all of your prayers. It has been; it's been a, a struggle for her, uh, and it all with the divers ticulitis, But there's been a lot of pain involved, and things of that nature. Some of you have that, and you understand what she's going through. But uh, Lord is, uh, give doctors and all wisdom, and so things are on the uptick, and it's looking better and getting better. So. Just keep her in your prayers, and Jacob and I, that we keep things running, because when Mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, and things don't operate right, so we'll be the first ones to tell you that. First Samuel chapter 3, uh, and yes, Herman, this is New Year's Eve. Tomorrow will be New Year's Day. <clears throat> we'll start a new year for you and Mike as well. Okay. That's all right. In 2024, there's going to be an extra day in February. You'll get it back. There you go. Isn't it it great, though, that God makes all things new? You ever think about that? Every day starts out a new day. You get the chance for a brand new do-over day. Every day. Every day he lets us breathe. We have the opportunity to do something different than yesterday. Or if we did well, we can repeat that. Every day something new comes about. It's always changing. Life is changing. And I couldn't imagine trying to go through a lot of the changes, especially the difficult ones, without him. But he's there. He's in our midst. First Samuel chapter three the title of the message is all new and as we seem fitting as coming to a new year and a lot of folks are making a lot of new year's resolutions and things that make them feel good for the day and then they feel bad the rest of the year because they ate too much and they didn't keep any of the resolutions they made so i found it easier just don't worry about the resolution and say lord the year is yours take it and i don't have to worry about it and uh, his his plan is usually a whole lot better than anything i could think of samuel here as it talks about uh, as the book is called at this stage where we're dropping in is a very young man he is a child but he is being tutored by eli to be a prophet to be a workman of god if you will as we all are servants of the lord And so here I invite you, if you're able to stand, to honor the reading of God's Word. Samuel chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. The Lord comes to Samuel, and as we hear in the text, Samuel at this point knows of the Lord, but he doesn't know the Lord. And there's some unique things that transpire in this event. And how things are made anew. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at the time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of the God was, and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went, and he laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you have called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. You may be seated. Notice at the very beginning, it says that Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. and Oftentimes, that's a very descriptive characterization of us we do things in the name of the Lord or because we think that's what Christians do we're ministering before him it's not that that's wrong to do those good things in the ministering of it but we're ministering just as Samuel did he was doing it to the Lord he's ministering for the Lord before Eli what he was doing is doing it more for man than he was for God Eli was training him. He would tell him what's right, what's wrong. But yet, again, he knew of the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. There's a difference. There's a lot of people in our world today that know there is a God and believe that he is out there, and they have different versions of what they believe he is. So they know of him, but they don't know him in a personal relationship. And it says that Eli came to that point point in place where it was in the evening time, and we've all been there. Your eyes just grow real heavy, and you can't really see, but you can still kind of hear things going on, and you can see a little bit of glimmers of light, and you drift on off to sleep. Samuel was already laying down. Now, those of you with kids, and especially those of you with grandkids or great-grandkids that just came and stayed with you over the holiday period. Know how that is, especially on the night Santa Claus is supposed to come, right? You go down, go to bed, go to sleep. Okay, about 1 o'clock, 1.30, they pop up like Jack in the Box, and they come running. Is it time yet? See, I remember those years 32 years ago. No, it ain't time. Go to bed. Go back and lay down. And that's what he tells Samuel. Several different times. He said, I didn't call you. Go lay down. Well, the third time, Eli actually wakes up enough, if you will. because The scripture says that he perceived that it was God who was calling Samuel. Notice verse 7. It tells us, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. You say, well, that's Old Testament. No, that's every day. That's real life. You see, before you knew Jesus Christ, Jesus already knew you. Maybe someone here that doesn't know him personally even today. But he does know you. And notice what it says. He did not yet know the Lord, meaning a personal relationship, nor did he know the word. That word comes to you and I today through the Holy Spirit. In other words, he didn't understand the same way the Holy Spirit puts us under a conviction that we need a Savior, that we're sinful. We have no opportunity to reconcile that sin except through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Samuel here did not yet know the word that God had a plan for him. Boy, does that sound familiar. There's so many people out there today that they're wandering around. They go, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why I'm here. Sometimes I hear that from the older folks. I don't know why God still got me here. I assure you, if you're here, God's got a plan for you. He has a plan for each one of us, no matter what your age is. And Yeah, surely we're going to see a lot of those folks as we get older that passes away. But as long as you and I are breathing, God's still got a plan for us and for each one of you. And we should never, ever lose sight of that. Oftentimes, we're kind of like poor Samuel. The Lord calls, but we don't hear. We just say, here I am. But notice how it changed what Eli told Samuel. He said, the next time you hear this, it shall be, if he calls you, you must say, in verse 9, he says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Think about those words. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And in comparison to what previously had, the Lord called his name in verse 4, and he answered, Here I am. What a contextual contextual difference in Lord speak your servant hears it's not just here I am Lord I know it's you and I'm listening that's a big problem in our world today isn't it people don't listen we hear we don't listen See, I hear a lot of things going on noise but when I'm really listening I'm paying attention to what's being said I'm internalizing what is being said and sometimes we're so busy running around we don't hear that still small voice of our Lord speaking And he has to come to us just as he did to Samuel again and again and what he's longing to hear is speak Lord your servant hears Your servants listening to what you have. Turn with me, if you will, to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. In Zephaniah chapter 3, for you and I looking at a new year beginning, God, just as he came to Samuel, began to speak to him, and he would impart his word. He also imparts this with Zephaniah 3 and verse 9. He says, For then I will restore to my peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. You look at our world today. The biggest thing that you can that you realize First and foremost, in our own nation, in our own communities, we are so divided. Over the least little bitty thing, we can get divided over it. You know, used to it used to be something really big that people had to get all worked up about. Today, we have no mercy on anybody else. We have no patience with anybody else. We don't hear what they're their side of it. We just, we're right, you're wrong, go on. Get out of my way. If you can't agree with me, you're useless. that pretty much the sentiment? Pretty much in everything. We're divided on everything. But notice what he said. He said, I will come to my people and I will give them the pure thoughts that they might work with me and for what my plan is in one accord. In harmony, in unity, Paul talks about the same things, both in the book of Romans, excuse me, the book of Corinthians, but also to Ephesus and Galatia. He talks about this unity of spirit. The author of Hebrews talks about unity. You see, because if we both, if we all come and we're listening for the Lord and we say, speak, Lord, your servant hears you, I assure you that dissension will go away, The God doesn't divide himself. He brings us together. We overlook what's been done this past year by this body of believers, this church, the things that we have had the opportunity that God has led us to do in different ways of ministry, both outside of these walls, but inside these walls. And what's done that? the unity of spirit. It's not about what I want to do or what you want to do or what we think somebody else wants us to do, but it should be about what is it that our Lord wants us to do in everything. You see, when we have these bickerings, whether it's within our church or it's at work or at school or wherever in your family, wherever it may be, it's because ideas begin to clash and each one of us want it our way. Lord makes all things new. When he rectifies a relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, or he rectifies it between the children and their parents, or he rectifies it between siblings or other family members or co-workers or church members, that's family too. He rectifies it by bringing not what your way is, their way is, it's his way. That unity. He makes it a brand new so that we are in alignment with him. And he says Herefore I will restore to the people a pure language. Jesus talked about those pure language. We call it the Beatitudes in Matthew. He talks about being merciful. Being the peacemakers. Being humble in spirit. You see, when you and I want our way, there's no in there. That's all pride. and Pride is the thing that God can't work with. And in serving Him, we take pride not in ourselves, but what He has done. I spoke here just a moment ago about what, what the Lord allows, uh, has allowed us to do in here, not with pride of what we have done, but what He's done. The only thing, you know, I... And very gracious to you and thank you for is your willingness to listen to his direction in what we do as a church and how we minister. It matters not about your age. It matters not about whether it's the women's group or it's the guys group or it's this group or that group. We're one group. We're God's children. And we work in harmony. By allowing his spirit to work through us. Take you back to those words. Speak Lord. Your servant hears. You see that is where he can promise to give us one accord. That Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us. Yes he made us dynamically different. No two of us are alike. But in spirit. When we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we commit ourselves to him. All things are made new. We are as one. That's why he likens himself of coming to the church as the bridegroom and the bride. Because the two shall become one. You see, that's where the work goes on in you and I. He's perfecting us each and every day. That we allow him to work within us. He's perfecting us to go home. To be in God's family. Continue there in in Zephaniah 3. Look down at verse 14. He says here, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgment. Next time you get down and out and your lips hanging down there. And you're scraping up some of this granite gravel. I want you to remember you have something to be happy about. And I told a co-worker one day, I said, you know, it ain't all that bad. Yeah, well, tell me what ain't bad. I said, "Sun shining and you're breathing and walking alive, ain't you? He goes, well, yeah. And I said, then praise God, you're still alive. Notice what he says here. The Lord has taken away your judgment. We just celebrated Jesus' birth. That birth brought a new covenant. All new. That birth allowed you and I, not through a ritual of offerings and sacrifices, but that birth allowed you and I to come to him with a simple belief and faith of prayer that you and I can simply say, Lord, forgive me. Turn me around. Put me in that direction you want me to go. Your servant hears. And he says that those sins will be forgotten. There's no judgment no longer for you and I because of his blood. And in fact, those sins are as far as from the east to the west or the north to the south. They're forgotten. They do not exist anymore. He continues. The Lord has taken away your judgment. He has cast out your enemy. Ah, we saw that over and over again during Jesus' ministry with the disciples. They were able to go and heal and cast out demons just as he did. Notice though they always said, in your name we cast them out. You and I have the opportunity to shut the devil himself down by the name of Jesus, a name he don't want to hear any time. It says, the king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. If you know Jesus Christ, that holy of holies that was in the Ark of the Covenant and there in a temple, now resides in your temple every day. He never leaves you. He's made that promise. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He continues on. In that day in verse 16, uh, excuse me, I want to do that last one. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. Oh, wait a minute. I got problems and trials. Yep, me too. And generally it's because I wasn't paying attention to what he said. But problems and trials are just little bumps in the road. The disaster comes when I go my way instead of his way. It's when that little itching comes on the back of your neck and Holy Spirit's on one shoulder and that little devil's on the other. The Holy Spirit says, Don't do this. This is not right. This will cause you pain and heartache. You An know Smart here goes, Yeah, well this one time won't hurt, right? Disaster. Every single time. Verse 16. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Most of the time what we hear people say is that their greatest fear is death. The two seem to go together. I can understand the jubilance that you spoke about a while ago when you find been told you have cancer and it's terminal and you're done for, and then they find out, oops, we made a mistake, you ain't got no cancer. I can understand doing the happy dance, okay? I can get with that. And I know white men ain't got no rhythm, but you tell me that, I'll probably find rhythm, right? I can do the happy dance. It may look awkward, but that's all right. It made me happy. And you ought to get happy too because you just witnessed a miracle. <coughs> you see, we talk about death, the death physically that we have, and even that. We talked about funerals. And I've done this enough in being asked to perform funerals. I can tell you whether I'm performing it or I simply attend it. I can tell you by the very essence of walking in that congregation, whether that person knew the Lord or not. Atmosphere is totally different. See, none of us look forward to a physical death or think that that's a good thing. We always miss those that have gone. But you and I, who are believers, and if they were a believer, we're assured that's not the end, that's the beginning. And we will see them again. And what a reunion that will be. Those that don't know. There is really. The Bible describes it. Judgment says there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You Go to someone's funeral who doesn't know the Lord. There's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Already. Right here on earth. Because there's no. There's no way out. You can't pray anybody out of hell into heaven. It's about what we do right here. You want that new day and that glorious day? That's the decision we make while we're living. It's not made for us after our death. It's not made for us by anybody else but us. We're the ones who have to choose. And he says... And Jesus destroyed that fear of him, of us being separated eternally when he went to that cross and he died and he was resurrected on that third day, what we call Easter. He says again, do not fear, Zion, nor let let not your hands be weak. You and I are supposed to be strong in the Lord. That's what he gives us power of the spirit the lord your god is in your midst if you're down and out i want you to mark this one down you got nothing to be sad of he tells you right there he he rejoices he's taking away your judgment he says there's no reason to fear he says the lord your god is in your midst the mighty one will save he will rejoice over you now these next three lines he talking about the lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's God doing a happy dance over me or you. And singing and shouting. And he gives us peace because of his love. He says, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame. You know who afflicts us the most? The devil. Satan. The great deceiver, the great liar. He's always been and always will be the enemy. I will gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them... For praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. New Testament tells us that when one comes that didn't know the Lord, all of heaven celebrates. That's this joyousness that Zephaniah is speaking of, both in heaven as well as here on earth. You and I should always be joyful, no matter who it is, no matter what the circumstances. When someone accepts the Lord Jesus Christ You and I are to celebrate with him if his spirit is in us. That's a new brother, that's a new sister, and that's one more soul that's not going to hell for all of eternity, but going to heaven. He just joined the family. Some of you have trouble figuring that out. What happens around your family when a brand new baby's born? Do y'all go, oh, wow, another rug rant? And when they come to show you the baby, you go, oh, wow. That's kind of an ugly baby, right? Yeah, it don't matter. He can look as ugly as he wants to be, bald headed and have nothing. And you go, oh, what a pretty baby. You lie. <laughs> but it's a good lie, right? Because we're just joyful that he go oh, he got all his toes and his fingers. You mean to tell off on Jacob? Well, first diaper. Yep, plenty in works. That was cool for about two days, and then after that, hey, bud, can you put a cork in that? It kind of keeps going everywhere, especially when he did one of them stinky ones at a restaurant. Yeah, And the waitress looks at you like it's you. I'm not that old yet, okay? We celebrate life. Jimmy, you and Mildred ever do the happy dance when new calves are born? Oh, yeah! See, there you go. That rancher comes out. That's right. Megan, I know you'd never do the happy dance when you finish a race, regardless of your time that all them barrels were standing. Yeah. See? We celebrate. Remember whose image we are made. God said, let us make man in our image. He's the one who sings. He's the one who laughs. He's the one who praises. It's where our praises come from. The celebration. We are promised of a great reunion. It says in James that Jesus will meet us and announce us to his Father and to all of heaven. They're happy that you are there. They're privileged that you are there. Last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is the promise of our Lord that Paul writes here, in chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of God of reconciliation, that new covenant Jesus spoke of. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus is the one that was born. We just celebrated his birth. He went to a cross. He followed God, the Father's instructions. And the Father raised him on the third day and he sits at his right hand and he intercedes for you and I. And Jesus talked about when you come to one accord in unity in that upper room, he said, I send the comforter, my Holy Spirit. A lot of folks don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit to get the heebie-jeebie stuff going, you know. Oh, you believe in that Holy Ghost thing and all. Yes, sir, I absolutely believe in that Holy Ghost, and I'm proud for him because that's the one that joins us together. Notice what else he says here, that all things are reconciled. Then in verse 20 he says, you and I are the ambassadors for Christ pleading, through us that we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled see our job is to bring the gospel to others our job because a new creature's been created I'm gonna pick on old Jackie I know Jackie for a long time and I celebrate his 18 years of sobriety and what the Lord has done in him and that was when you met the Lord wasn't it Jackie All things were made brand new. Jackie and I were talking the other night, and you know what he told me? He said, I got no desire, don't even want anything to drink. That's a new creature. That's a new creature. Jackie can talk with you, he can walk with you, he can laugh with you, and Jackie used to not be able to do any of those things. Am I lying to him, Jackie? Nope exactly admit it and i'm not just picking on him because you see it could do it to each one of us and say yeah this is the way i used to be and yeah old things creep up every now and then but we've been reconciled we can declare in his name and send that thing packing See, the devil wants to always tell you, you can't go out and witness. You can't be it. Don't you remember? How can you go out and tell others about Jesus? Because I'm a new creature. God took it all away. It's only you that remember it. I remember it only to remember where I don't want to be no more. All things are new. This year's come and gone. You're right, Herman. Went by a lot quick. Seemed like only yesterday we celebrated Labor Day and here it is, fixed to have New Year's. fact, seemed like we just did New Year's. But it's been a year. So you have two questions before you. One, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, will you accept him today? For you see, you cannot be reconciled. You may know of him, but you don't know him. It has to be a personal relationship. You have to open the door of your heart and invite him in. He doesn't come kicking the walls, kicking the door down. He comes and he gently knocks and he asks, will you let him in? If you already know him personally, your question is, what will you do with this new year? What your plans are? Or will you be like the little boy Samuel and say, Lord, your servant is here. Speak. I'll listen. I'll listen. Whatever it is you want, I'm your ambassador. There's someone out there that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Someone in your circle of friends or family. They may never hear it from anybody else but you. We celebrate that new, brand new day we'll have in heaven. What I won't celebrate is to hear someone who didn't know him that I knew that says, Why? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me about your Jesus? So you're important. God's got a plan for your life. It ain't all bad like, oh, he's going to have me do all that. No. Everything he'll ask me or you to do is a blessing. He blesses me ten times over when I do the least amount that he's asked for me to do. Sometimes it's in all different ways. And sometimes it may be one that go, you know, Lord, okay, you said to go do it. And I know i got a wrong spirit about it. And I'm going, I'm (laughs) going to do this because the Lord asked me to. I really don't want to go. But you know, when I walk away, my praise is, God, thank you for making me to go do it. Thank you for laying it on my heart. What a blessing. I don't know if they got anything out of it. But I know I did. Thank you so much. He also promises you and I his word will never return void. No matter what it is he asks for you to do, it will do what he sent it to do. He, and he used you as the vessel. Don't you want to be that favorite tool in the box? See, we're good about fixing things. God can fix it. and I've got a couple of particular tools that they're my go-to to fix anything. I want to be God's go-to to fix stuff. Not my, my, for me or in my power, but his power. I just want to be the vessel. All things are new. you got a brand new year ahead of you. Two groups of people in here. Those that know the Lord, those that don't. Both of you got a question. That you got to answer, not to me, to him. We're starting a new year. You got a new question. The Lord wants to know what you're going to do. Will you accept Him? Will you be His ambassador? I invite you to bow your head, close your eyes.